Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of J. Kim's Topic. I'm your host, J. Kim. And today, we're going to talk about uh, simulation games and strategy games. Two kind of the same, but very much different at the same time. Uh, what I guess superficially, they're the same because you sort of play from a third-person point of view and control everything. And, you know, you manage an ecosystem that you're building, right? And that's pretty much the core of both games. But one might be geared more towards strategy and conflict and battle, and another one might be more simu- you know, simulation. So what am I going on about? Uh, <laughs> I personally like these two type of games. They're one of my favorite, uh, especially simulation. I prefer simulation over strategy. And I'll get into the, the difference and details of both the games in a second, but it's kind of like a video game version of middle-aged me- middle-aged white men playing with trains do you know like do you know that thing you like mr rogers with the tram and stuff like that do you've always met people who always like trains as a kid i always loved trains i don't know why i love toy trains i love seeing train tracks and people setting up and adjusting the speed and customizing the tracks and building little villages i always found stuff like that fascinating as a kid i always thought it was cool even seeing real trains i had a you know i always got excited I don't know why, something about trains, but the more I thought about it as an adult, I think it's because I just like the fluidity of it, of it just works, you know, like you could set something and you could see the progress and you could see your results directly, you know, you manipulated all of that for it to happen, and simulation games and strategy games kind of do that, except strategy games has more of a competitive side to it, which is also very fascinating, which I'll get to in a second, but today... I do want to highlight simulation strategy games because it's, as I said, not it's it's a big and it's a big field in video games. And it's a very popular genre. It's also one of the games that I feel that is easier to get into if if you are new to video games, especially simulation ones. If you have a good computer or a pu- computer that could you know place play at least Sims, then I think you'll be fine. So let's start with simulation games. We've all played it. As a matter of fact, during this pandemic, one simulation game reigned supreme over all of the games, and that was Animal Crossing. And I remember noticing, just being online, everyone's playing Animal Crossing, everyone's adding each other, everyone's visiting each other's islands and supporting each other. This is like creating a community. And it's I always thought that was cool. Like I always enjoy seeing I suppose normies, as some people call them, or mainstream people, use video games and turn into turn to it as a as a way to still socialize with their friends through different means, you know. I've seen my sister FaceTime her friend and they're both playing Animal Crossing together all day and they're just like going on each other's islands and doing all these things together. Uh, they spent the day together virtually, which I find, which I, I don't know how anyone has the patience for that. Like, I could chill with you for two, three hours online and then I'm gonna fuck off and do on do my own thing. That's just how I am. And my sister could do it all day. She's a, a social butterfly. But it got me thinking when I saw all these people playing simulation is, you know, it's it's one of those gaming genres that are so easy to get into. And no one really talks about that. You know, it's 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 inviting. It's easy. It's, you know, it's like playing again, playing with trains. It's pretty straightforward. You know what to do once you understand how to set up a train, uh, train set. Easy breezy from from there on out, you know, you'll do whatever you make different combination of tracks and so on. And simulation games give you that, except you have an entire virtual world at your disposal. 
that's one of the things that I love about simulation games. It's it's open ended. You're you're a god. You're essentially a god with financial restraints. <laughs> that's kind of what a lot of these uh, simulation games are. For example, if you play SimCity or City Skyline, I love City Skyline. I spent, according to Steam, I've spent over 200 hours on that game. And the reason why is, to me, that game is a canvas. And so basically, how these how this game works, a City Skylines or even SimCity, and the same thing with Roller Coaster Tycoon, and to 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 that extent, or Zoo Tycoon or anything like that, is management. You get to customize and design your city, your park, or whatever as however you like whatever to your taste your creative it's kind of this creative uh, uh, canvas for you to design like if you ever traveled a lot and i've you know i've traveled to a decent amount of places around the world and i've always fantasized what would what, what an ideal city if i could make a city from scratch how would i design it how would it look and city skyline kind of gives you that opportunity how would you design your city right for example Sometimes I walk around Montreal and think, what well, what are things that could be better for Montreal? You know, there's talks right now about trams, reintroducing trams to the city. Uh, I think they're going to install it in the east end, the pink line. Uh, last I heard, it might go from like Montreal east all the way to La Chine, following Notre Dame. Except I heard that it might have a dedicated, unique track of its own for the city. Or it might blend in with the local traffic. If it blends in with the local traffic, it'll create more traffic. Um, if it has its own dedicated line, then it's no problem. When you think about that and think about, okay, well, could this work? Could I? Could we minimize traffic? Uh, do we need to take up more space? Do we need to bulldoze certain things? Sometimes you ask these questions. And what's kind of unique is if you play City Skylines or SimCity, you could literally test that out in the game. I mean, yes, it's a game. It doesn't... It might not have the exact hard science, and or will it ever? Nor is it taken into consideration, let's say, certain specific environmental conditions or local legal construction codes. You know, like those are things that need to be applied when you build these things. So the game doesn't give you a foolproof uh, answer or simulation to certain construction things or civil engineering things, but it gives you a cool idea. So back again, I'm someone who who really does spend a lot of time you know thinking okay how can you make this better how could how would this look if you've done this even aesthetically not in terms of engineering but aesthetically and the more hours you spend on it you kind of go down this rabbit hole next thing you know you just spent seven hours in front of your computer screen just trying to adjust the city time flies but you get so involved you know and that's what's fun it ultimate time killer yeah and and if you go on youtube and you watch people play city skyline and see how they design their cities you're gonna quickly realize that uh your city looks like a piece of shit compared to them it's so good some of these cities are incredible do you know how like when you go like wakanda do you know the first time you've seen wakanda on in in black panther you're like wow it's magical it's amazing it's like futuristic but like not it feels like it's a not too distant future from ours right now and when you go on go on YouTube and see how these be- people build cities, that is exactly what you're seeing. You're like, this is. I wish I could live in that city. That city looks amazing. It's beautiful. But that's that's the joy of simulation. Is it's fun. You know, it's a blank canvas. But at the same time, is a lot of these simulation games they give you the option of you could sort of do this uh, sandbox version of you could just do whatever you want, no financial constraints, no constraints whatsoever. Let your creativity flow, or you could play and challenge yourself and you know play by the rules of the game where they say okay you gotta 
balance the happiness of your population, the health, provide services, balance the budget of the city, you know, attract tourists, attract business, create industry, create jobs, uh, education. And you, there's all these things you need to consider of how to properly run a good city. It's kind of like, it's like Plato's Republic <laughs> in a way, if you want to take it the philosophical route, except the Republic of Plato deals not just uh, how to run, not how to govern a city, but it really questions what is politics and what is true politics and not so much government. So anyway, um, government is management. And this game is really very much about government, not about politics, but government, how to manage a city, how to make it run, how to create an ecosystem, a self-sustaining ecosystem that works. You know, that's, that's the same thing that people, when people enjoy watching these kind of ecosystems at play, it gets to a point where you just need to keep it going. Little intervention, just keep it going. Almost like a science project in a way. I mean, this is the same... These are the same people who like to own aquariums, you know. People love to build aquariums and see it build up, except it's like real fish, you know. And except that actually having the emotional uh, burden of making sure these fish don't die. <laughs> yeah, video games that uh, erases that. So thank God for, for the virtual space really you know it, then it's cheaper too well i mean relatively cheaper i mean then again you could be sinking a thousand two thousand dollars for a single fish tank and video games you pay 80 bucks and you got this game for a lifetime i used to own it well my our family we used to have we used to have an aquarium and no longer that's a story in of itself uh not related to any of this <laughs> So yeah, but I mean, if you put it also into context of our culture, where we find ourselves in modernism, I guess, if you want to go deep, it's one of the few luxuries, I guess, that society gives to us that, hey, for once, how about you be in control? You know, if let's say, imagine you worked at a theme park, right? Imagine you worked at La Ronde or like some Six Flags park in the States. And like you're a manager, you have to, you know, you, you own the park, you see, oversee everything. And you get to decide what new rides come in and how would they look. You know, Roller Coaster Tycoon gives you that, you know, and it's fun. Again, creative outflow, just design it as much as you want. And then the game tells you, was this ride too intense? Was this ride just perfect? Was this ride boring? You know, is this ride dangerous? Is this ride safe? It, you know, it gives you all of this. And it's funny because I don't like theme parks. I don't like going to theme parks at all. All my friends know it. My friends think I'm fucking boring. I don't like Halloween. I don't like theme parks. One of the main reasons I don't like theme parks because I'm afraid of heights. But I also kind of just don't see the point of theme parks for the most part. My opinion is probably going to change, but it's not my thing. And yet I love playing Roller Coaster Tycoon. I love watching people enjoy themselves. To me, that is fun. I don't need to participate, but if I see you have fun, I'm, I'm empathetic. I can I, That resonates with me. So building a roller coaster, building a theme park, you know, building nice roller coasters, nice rides. For me, it's just, it's the idea of, again, once again, building an ecosystem where everyone's happy. It's beautiful. It's nice. You know, management, does it work? I think it's the same reason why I enjoy gardening. Gardening is the same thing. Once you get into gardening, the first part is often hard, which is the manual labor. It's a little tricky. Then understanding how to take care of the plants. Some plants can't be exposed to the sun for too much. Some plants can't be next to other kind of plants. Other flowers might need a lot of water, so you need to water them twice a day. Other plants don't need to be watered as much, so you need to take that into consideration. For example, I was growing mints. Mints need to be potted. They cannot be shared with other plants because mints will just take over everything. They're invasive in, in terms of how it spreads. So if you are growing mints, keep it in a pot separate from the other plants. Uh, 
So why am I on to gardening? But it's it's everything I just told you how I manage those plants is kind of I've adopted that through you know by playing simulation games. Simulation games constantly makes you on your toes of you need to manage this, manage that, manage this, manage that. Make sure everything's running normal. If you're taking it, if you're really invested in, into the game, that's sort of the way you think. And and it, what I only really understood recently was. That's kind of how I work at a restaurant. Right now, I work in my family's restaurant, and the way I manage things to make sure that everyone gets their order, everyone's seated, everyone's happy, everyone's fed, everyone's paid, the way I manage that on the go is I really get that from video game management. Video game management has taught me to think on my feet and keep things going. But simulation games tend to be a little more slow-paced. They're not as like in-your-face like that, but strategy games are very much, it feels like a busy restaurant, strategy games. You know, except you're the waiter and you need to make sure everything is going well, you know. But at the same time, strategy games could be slow. I mean, depends on the game. So I'm getting slightly ahead of myself. So what is the difference between a strategy game and a simulation game? Simulation game, as I pretty much explained, is you know, you're given, let's say, a map. You develop something, at, let's say, a city. There are certain environmental factors you need to take into play. There are economic factors you need to take into play. Then you start building your city. Once you've built your city... Uh, you don't really control how the city grows. You just do it. It's like plants. You water it and you let it grow and you manage, you know. You clip the weeds out. You make sure that everything looks good. Oh, there might be a dead fruit that's hanging. Cut that out, you know. It's the same thing. However, strategy games, it's quick time. It's fast. You build a city quick. You build a base quick. You build, let's say, your military units quick. And then you fight and destroy the opponents. It's often it's often based around conflict and com- competition, it's chess. It's essentially virtual chess. Strategy games are... It's checkers and chess. It's There's no way to explain it. Except replace the white and black pawns and units with, you know, maybe some Aztecs, some Chinese, or Vikings. You know, Viking berserkers instead of pawns, you know. Spice it up a little bit. You know, you could do that in Age of Empires 2. You could do that in Civilization. You could do that in Age of Empires 3. Um, Starcraft, Warcraft, there's so many games like that out there. And and what's fun is that just like chess, every piece on the chessboard has different roles, different purposes. You know, a pawn moves either two steps in the beginning or it moves only one step. The knight can move an L shape and hop over other units as well. Or you have the bishop that can go crisscross uh, only within the respective colors. And it, that those things add a different dimension to the game. So you constantly have to think... What are the outcomes? Who? How is he going to play that unit? How is that person going to play in this way? You're you're thinking three steps ahead. It's very much kind. It's very much like sports. It's a similar way as uh, team sports, where everyone on the field has a different position, different role, and that individual has their own unique trait. And strategy video games is very much the same. You have different units who have different traits, different characteristics. They do different damage different strengths, different perks, whatever. It's multi-layered. There's so many factors and numbers to crunch when you play these kind of games. Like, for example, Age of Empires 2, I I went online just to see the reviews, and I went down a rabbit hole of just this guy breaking down every civilization on Age of Empires 2 definitive version. He went over the Koreans, then he went to Vikings, the Britons, the Franks, uh, the Romans, Greeks, uh, whoever, and then he breaks down the math. Okay, this unit does 30 damage, but against cavalry... It does uh, 15% more damage. You know, there's all these things, and you might think, why must I do math when I want to have fun? You know, <laughs> it's like, why must I do that? And 
I never really did the math as a kid. I just played the game. I didn't care. I just understood it. This entire thing is really rock paper scissors on a on a virtual board, just like chess. And once you understand that, and you understand that there's certain value to it, then you know you don't need to crunch numbers. You just understand how things work. You know that in of itself is an ecosystem. Except the ecosystem in this case doesn't give you total freedom. You have to survive in that map. You know what I mean? Because like every map you play on a strategy game. Has varying factors, you know. Sometimes you might expect that if you're playing StarCraft to get into the details. In StarCraft, there's two main resources that you need to accumulate. There's the gas. I forget what it's called. Whatever. There's gas and then there's minerals. The minerals are currency, and the gas helps you build units and build structures, whatever. And the and the minerals are just it's universal currency. Every time you play a new game, those uh, minerals and gas tend to be next to each other. But every new game, they might switch around the map. It might not always be in the same spot. So what that means is that whatever strategy you have, you need to refine it and needs to be flexible enough based on the map you find yourself in. Even with the players you find yourself playing against, you need to constantly be able to adapt, and that's what I fucking love about strategy games. It's so hard, but it's so much fun. Do I play strategy games online? Sometimes I get I embarrass myself when I do, so I don't go often. But it's just this idea is watching people be good at it is fun. It's the same way, the same reason why I enjoy playing and watching soccer. Watching people just play it. I could do the same, but sometimes when you watch people better than you do it better and efficiently, it's it's a joy to watch. But I think it's also important to talk about sort of what strategy games has given. I guess given to the video game culture or mainstream society, and that's competitive gaming. My first introduction to esports or competitive video games. I think I, I must have been a teenager where my cousins from Korea were telling me that they have these TV channels in Korea. This must have been like early two thousand, like mid two thousands, two thousand eight. Let's say they would tell me that there are TV channels in Korea that play video games twenty four seven. I'm like, what do you mean? They said you just watch people competitively play video games twenty four seven. It's essentially Twitch except on TV, and. I was mind blown. I'm like, this is the most progressive country on the planet. Holy shit! They're playing video games on TV. This is amazing. And uh, when I finally got to Korea, there was two channels, and I'm like, okay, so we could watch Dota all day, or we could probably watch some Warcraft and some Starcraft. And then you realize that these people are now pl- playing in these leagues and competitions, and money is on the line. Often millions of dollars are on the line, and it's. It's just like regular sports. It's become like regular sports. There's leagues, there's organizations, there's franchises or teams, and there's coaches. They have coaches. I don't even understand why they need coaches. Maybe they need... Anyway. <laughs> they have subs. They they have subs just in case someone cramps his wrist. I, I, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm blown away, you know. I remember they sold out the Air Canada Center in Toronto. I, I, I know they changed the name, but I'm still going to call it the Air Canada Center. And they sold out for... Uh, a League of Legends competition. It's incredible. It's incredible how far it's come and how accepted it has become in the West, especially. In Korea, it's always been a thing. It's always been a popular, well-known, established industry. But in the West, it's really hit home nowadays. And it's. I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see the video game community and subculture grow, become more accepted, taken a little more seriously. And we have to thank strategy games for... Not just strategy games. I mean, like, there's Counter-Strike that, you know, the grandfather of all first-person shooters, you know. And there are many competitive video games that we need to obviously pay our respects to, you know, like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and so on. But 
But strategy games for me, that was my introduction to video game culture. Strategy games. I I think I think it. My first strategy game that I got really into was StarCraft. I never played online. I just kept playing the story because I enjoy the stories more than online. And I just I remember just keep playing StarCraft and it was so much fun. I was so fascinated. Only to realize that StarCraft is essentially the movie Alien if Alien was a strategy video game. If you enjoyed the movie Alien, which um, I like the movie Alien, uh, Prometheus was, I kind of liked Prometheus, but anyway, some people didn't. What's really interesting is, imagine you put yourself in the movie Alien, and you ask yourself, what would you do? What, would, what does that world look like? And StarCraft kind of hijacks, maybe, maybe not the best word, but they kind of hijack that. You, you get to see what that Alien world may look like through StarCraft, and build upon that lore. Anyway, I just, um, it's fun. It's really fun. Korea is a hotbed for Star StarCraft. Video game market in the States has always been bigger than Korea, but the market for StarCraft seems to explode in Korea. And StarCraft didn't just explode like a hot trend and disappeared. It stayed. Some people still play the original StarCraft 1 of like the 90s. People still play that today because it is so endearing. It is the perfect game of rock, paper, scissors. And I don't really play online, but like I said, for someone who enjoys watching these games, it's it's really a joy to know that, you know, there are Terran, Protoss, and Zergs, and all of them counter each other in one way or the other. And it's, again, it's fascinating. It's fun. Especially when you know there's a lot of, like, neurotic video game geniuses out there who could pull all these moves off. And it's a joy to watch them do that. But at the same time, these guys also have the biggest egos. Some of these video game millionaires have the biggest egos and it's like uh, anyway i don't know why it always sits it always sits weird with me but it's founded why they have massive metaphorical balls um anyway but the one thing that seems to unify both strategy games and simulation games is again the idea of kind of being a god in a way if you think about it because you see everything on third person point of view these units speak to you directly, but they don't see you, you know? Like, I'm kind of stretching it, but it's, you know, you are God to these units, to these virtual units. They rely on you. They don't things. They do not do things on, your own, on their own. You have to tell them, point them where to go, what to do. If they stand still and, let's say, an enemy comes close, they might automatically attack. That's kind of what their baseline role is to do. But without any direction, you have to give them sort of that direction. You know, in the case of strategy games and, like, uh, Games like you know Age of Empires or Civilization, you find yourself as a as a let's say like a war chief or a a leader or like a god of war. Maybe God of War might be the best. Like if you if you could see yourself as that, right? And maybe that's why these competitive video gamers have such huge egos because they say in this domain I am a god. The same way as Michael Jordan could confidently say that about basketball, it's like in this domain I'm a god. And they're a lot of these guys feel the same way in video games, you know and and with strategy video games, that ego is tremendous because you're thinking three, four, five steps ahead. Like you're the, you're probably processing a hundred thoughts a minute. I don't know. Like it, I forget there was an actual statistics where it was done. I think at UCLA where they were measuring how fast is the cognitive reaction of gamers. They said a gamer is probably thinking a hundred actions uh, like a minute or something. A hundred actions a minute or a second, or whatever the measurement was, whereas a non-game, a regular person was half. And the main reason why is because in video games, it's you're not physically manipulating your world around you. You're manipulating essentially a, a foreign world, which is virtual. 
So you need to do double the amount of effort to make sure that everything is in order. Because essentially, this world was, you know, it's it's challenging you. That's what games are. Games are supposed to challenge you at all times. So at its base, any video game is constantly challenging you, right? And in online gaming, it makes it harder because you can't predict what the other person will do. You know, it's the same way in organized. It's the same thing with organized sports. You know, it's exactly the same thing. The same strand. So when people say esports is not real sports. They're really only thinking at the physical level, which is true. That's a fair argument. You want athleticism. Sports is all about athleticism. But what I like about calling it esports is it recognizes that. It recognizes that it's not athleticism. However, the cognitive ability between, let's say, a pro gamer and a pro athlete, to me, it seems to be quite similar when it's game time. The way they're thinking and processing and the way things, their synapses are, you know, lining up in their heads. You know, it's probably the same thing. It's probably looks similar. If you put both both types of athletes under an MRI, MRI and scan their brains as they're doing their thing, you might see a similar thing happening in their brains. You might see a similar, you know, sparks firing at the same time. Who knows? Uh, I think so. That's my theory. I could probably just look it up and see if that's true, but that won't be fun. Sometimes a little mystery is always a little fun, but I'll definitely look it up at some point off, off mic. But with simulation games, again, it's the same thing, except minus the conflict, or conflict is not the main focus, you know, like building a city, it's like gardening uh, the same way, and you just, it's it's a game where you get to live in an alternate reality for a moment, like, what if in this alternate reality, you are God, and you get to build a city from scratch, why not, you know, that's fine, or you get to play Sims, and let's say you've always entertained an alter ego now you could kind of let that alter ego out through sims you know just to restart life let's say you let's say you fantasize one day and said what if i went what if i was born in australia as opposed to canada what would that life look like what would i look like what name would i have perhaps sims could kind of give you you know sims seems to give you that uh space to entertain those thoughts for a minute or you could just play yourself play your own ego on the game except you live in a different environment and you do different decisions that would that you wouldn't normally do in real life. So in a way, it becomes... Uh, it's indulgence. And why not? Why not indulge yourself? As long as you know you're having fun and you're enjoying the pleasures, why limit yourself? And I think video games is a good leeway out of it, but obviously, don't get sucked into it and you know, have video games become you, you know? So what's the point of all this? So what's this episode is unlike the other episodes where I talked a lot about the story and you know how it resonates and what it all means but this one is not really about story but the game itself well what does that mean for some people how does that make people feel like Starcraft was a very very big deal and it still is a very big deal and why you know like why why is that there's so many other games that came out that's done something similar if not identical okay maybe not identical but they've done something similar if not better maybe and yet people still play it and people still love it and to me i always find that fascinating and i'm speaking specifically of the first starcraft some people say it's a masterpiece you know why go to the new one i guess in the same way it's the same thing as people who enjoy the old school westerns of the 60s as opposed to the realistic remakes of nowadays you know i guess it's the same thing or a similar thing nostalgia is kind of hard to break out of or shake off but yes if you do have a pc or if you already are a gamer and and you don't play simulation games i strongly suggest you do because i love it but it's also 
it's fun. You know, it's just fun. I mean, it's it's one of those games where I like to just turn my brain off and just do and just design and enjoy and not think of anything else but that game for the moment. We all have something like that, whether it's video games or not. We all have something like that that just kind of helps us turn our brains off. For me, cleaning is one of those things as well. Playing soccer is one of those things for me as well. But again, I, I just I just find it uncanny how these two type of games that seem to have a lot of mainstream popularity share the overlapping uh, overlapping trait of control from the god perspective. You know, where you have complete control. Because in, in, in reality, in the world we live in today, we don't really control the world, you know? I mean, in the history of humanity, only few have, but, you know, we're in nature. We just are. We just live. But I think the reason why these games tend to resonate has a lot to do with a brief moment of control. You get to control all this, and it's all fun. And it's, uh, again, simulation. It's always the what if, what if, what if. Because we all live relatively mundane lives in a routine. And that's that's normal. That's life. That's what it is. Um, not to sound defeatist or depressing, but, you know, what makes life fun and enjoyable is what you do during those mundane routines and what you do in between and uh, what your passions are and living those out. And imagine when you, you know, you just come back after a long day of work and you know that it's going to be the same tomorrow. And it's always nice to come home and you can play a game where it's something so different and remote from your regular life that's why video games resonate it's just something different that's why we like super mario we want to live in that aesthetically pleasing world where the violence is the violence is cute i guess it's not overly it's not gory it's not a gory violence it's like a pg pg violence which is you know it's nice why why wouldn't you want to live in such a nice colorful world in the same way is the same reason why people love good novels and great films escape and also to remind ourselves, you know, maybe it's nice that we don't live in that world. <laughs> I wouldn't want to live in a, in a video game. But I'm grateful it's there. And I'm grateful for it, for what it's truly given to me in my life and what it's done for me. And before I end this episode, there's one thing, there's one thought I've always had. And I would like to see it entertain the future. I would like to see the military as an experiment recruit video gamers who are really good at strategy games real-time strategy games as someone who might let's say plan a military operation or whatever i'm just curious you know because i want to see how that works out because i know for a fact that uh first person shooters some video game companies or some video first person uh, shooter video games are a part of the military industrial complex supposedly that's what i heard and what that means is that if let's say you played a lot of uh, first-person shooters and you rec and you join the army or join the military, you would already know how to operate this weapon because you see it done on screen all the time. If you had to reload an AK-47, you already know how to do it because you've seen it done all the time. You understand that the recoil might be strong. You might understand that this is a higher caliber bullet, and you might have a, you already have a preconceived idea of the gun. So once you approach the weapon, it's not a surprise to you. You know how it, you understand it. You know, like it, it, it sounds really micro, but when you really think about it, if you play a lot of first person shooters and you join the military, you just know what to do. It's become routine because you've seen it in front of you all the time. So with that being said, with, do, with, with people who play a lot of first uh, strategy video games, I wonder if they'll do well in the military strategy of things because there's a you could apply a lot of military strategy onto video games. If you go on YouTube, you can find people who have actually replayed 
historical battles to with the proper strategy they've used on a battle and see it happen or sometimes you just see people put recreate historical battles with no real tactics in play but when you see competitive video games they do all these tactics of attack from the rear they do a pincer move they split off you know they flank them anyway it's i would like to see that that's a that's a thought that i had when i was uh, coming up with this episode i wonder if that'll work out but then again uh military industrial complex he he not a good thing but anyway once again thank you for listening a bit of a different episode in comparison to the rest of the season but you get the point don't forget to follow and subscribe to this podcast j kim's topic on anchor or spotify google podcast uh or other streaming services and you can follow me on instagram at jason underscore jisoo and again thank you for listening uh, i hope you enjoyed season two I'll be doing more of this, more of uh, varying topics of different season. And next season, I, I'm debating. I'll be honest with you. I am debating between two things, and that is TV shows, talk about TV shows that I thought resonated with me, or do something completely different and talk about uh, Model United Nations, which is a... Um, I realize not a lot of people has done it, and I kind of want to talk about that because I, I thought it was a very interesting experience the more I think back on it. But anyway, if you prefer TV shows or Model United Nations, feel free to DM me and let me know. And as always, thank you for listening. This is J. Kim's Topic from Montreal. Thank you.